there's just something that feels right about singing about the greatness of God. You just sense that right now. There's just something that feels like that's the way it should be. That feels normal. That feels right. feels proper to exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in that way. Listen, we're glad you're here. We're going to talk about missions this morning. And I, I, I never want you to feel manipulated or uh, uh, hijacked or ambushed. So let me, let me get something off the table right, right at the beginning. I want to tell you right up front this morning that I'm going to be asking each of you to make a commitment uh, of a portion of your income to foreign missions before this day is over. Okay? No, I'm going to sneak up on you. I'm going to guilt you. No coercion. No. But I want you to know up front, before I begin this message, that before this day is over, we have an expectation that every member of Cornerstone Baptist Church will have made a commitment financially today to the area of foreign missions giving. I'll explain everything to you in just a moment. Uh, at Cornerstone, we have 266 giving units. This is church administration speak, and when, when pastors and administrators are together working on church health and, 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 and think, giving units is a word we use. It's, it's either an individual or a family. But our church has 266 giving units. You can read that as families if you want to. Uh, that give, uh, that gave in, in, in the year, uh, last year, 2018. 266 unique giving units gave something to the ministry here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. That's just general fund giving to sustain the, the, the work of the church. Of those 266 giving units, 116 giving units gave some amount to missions last year so less than half of our giving units gave once or more we don't know exactly what the number is that's not the issue just the units is the issue 116 of our families or individuals gave to missions last year of those 116 that gave something could have been a one-time gift or, or, or whatever of those 116 giving units that gave to missions last year, 30 families, 30 giving units, gave to missions on a recurring electronic basis. So I want to distill it all down to, to the bottom, bottom number. Out of 266 giving units at Cornerstone, we have 30 families who are carrying the load. Is that fair? So, so this morning... There is a 75% chance that this message is for you. Is that fair? I'm not sneaking up on you, just laying it all out there. There's a 75% chance that I'm not talking to your neighbor, that I'm speaking directly to you this morning about the area of our missions ministry. And what I'm going to do before the day is done is I'm going to ask every family of this church to join the hand of the family next to you and truly be a family in the matter of missions giving. I'm going to ask every family to do something for foreign missions. Now, hear what I'm saying so you don't turn me off too quickly this morning. This is not a matter of money. Please hear what I'm saying. My message today has nothing really to do with money. You say, but you don't know our family budget. It's not a matter of money. Let me, I just not, this is not in my notes, but it just, just hit me just like that. Uh, so there it is. How many of y'all have a Netflix account? How do you pay for that? Electronic, recurring, automatically hits your card? Is that right? Automatically, electronically hits your card every month? Is that seven bucks? Seven bucks? Okay. Went up. $13 automatically hits your card. How many of you have a Hulu? Come on, be honest, you bunch of liars. Good night. Spotify. I mean, uh, Apple Music. Mm, extra storage on the cloud every month. You know what I'm saying? I, I see you back there. Okay. Do you have stuff hitting your debit card? You're not even sure what it is sometimes. What about missions? 
75% chance that you're one of the people sitting here has a Netflix account, a Hulu account, Spotify account, Apple Music account, and no recurring Cornerstone Missions account. I just want you to absorb the magnitude of that for a moment. When we're talking about what it means to be all in for Jesus versus all in for entertainment. Or what it, and I'm not against any of those things. I've got them all. i got them all. Okay? And I'm just talking now. Just, just a group of family members having a conversation this morning. Well, what I'm going to ask you to do today is not about a sum of money. I don't want to take an annual missions offering ever again. But the only way not to do that, not, the only way not to take up $5,000 a family in an annual missions offering is to get everybody given something on a weekly basis to missions. Does that make sense? It's not about a big number. Some of y'all are so nervous right now. Listen, it's not about money. I've already proved it's not about money. You're already throwing enough money to entertainment. It's not about money. It's about a willingness to participate with the rest of the family. That's all this is about. Okay? And we're going to break through that barrier, God willing, today at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And tomorrow when the sun comes up, it's going to be a whole new missions world for us at Cornerstone Baptist Church. More than 10% of our annual budget already goes to missions. It's a big number. We do a lot of amazing things missionally. We are not like any other church missionally you've ever been a part of. And what we're doing this morning is something we've done before, but we're doing it fresh. We're just asking all of our members to once again make a fresh commitment to participate with the team. You say, I'm poor. I want you to be very clear in what I'm saying. I'm asking our poorest widow living on a fixed income to go home this afternoon and make a financial commitment to missions. And you know what? They will. You widows can say amen right there. Where are you? There you are. Are you in, Mom? She's in. Okay? Fixed income, she'll do it. Dolores, fixed income, she's in. So I just want you to know where the willingness is. It's there. And I'm going to ask them to make a commitment. I'm going to ask those of you with 47 two-year-olds, buying diapers and formulas and, and, and ballets, I'm asking you to do the same thing. What I'm not going to ask you to do is to commit a sum of money that you can't sustain. That does no one any good. I'm not going to ask you to give something that you could do for one week and then somebody has the flu and now we can't. Yeah, that's ridiculous to, to make such a, such a commitment that no one can keep. It's not about a big sum of money. It's about a very small sum of money spread across 266 giving units. Does that make sense? I mean, it's literally as small as about $10 a family in this church to pull off our whole missions budget. You realize that? But if only 30 families are carrying it, they have to give thousands a year to cover what nobody else is, what we're spending on Netflix, basically, or Starbucks a week. That, that's what they're having to do. And we're going to eliminate that and spread the load across the whole group. We have about 33 recurring electronic missions givers. I think it would be a pretty reachable goal. I feel like it would be. Maybe I don't know. To have 100. I mean, I just feel like from 30 to 100 wouldn't be a huge stretch for us to get about you know, almost half of our giving units giving something to missions. And I'm going to keep you posted. I mean, as soon as you make the commitments, I don't need to see the amounts. I'll just see it gives me data through the giving system, and it says 30 families have signed up, 40 families have signed up, 50 families have signed up, and I can report to you over the next few weeks where we're at. So what I want to do this morning, really, is I want to spend our time together, not talking about that, just had to get that off the table so you didn't think I was sneaking up on you. I really want to spend our time together this morning talking about what missions really means in the context of a New Testament church, what missions really is all about, and then when I put that out there for you in the next few minutes, I want you to decide if that's something you want to underwrite. How about that? I'll show you biblically what missions is and what it's all about and give the power to you. And then you make the decision this morning if you think that's something that's worthy of your investment of your family budget. So if you're visiting with us, welcome. Members, welcome back. 
We're in a series called This Is Us, and it gives us an opportunity to proclaim to you, to those watching around the world, what we're all about at Cornerstone Baptist Church, uh, what it is uh, that sets us apart, why we're here, what things are the very most important things to us. The Bible declares that we, you and I, we are Christ's body. So we know from Scripture that God is assembling a body of Christ here in Fort Worth, Texas, and He's assembled us, He says in the Scripture, to accomplish His will, to do a specific set of tasks. God has pulled us together to get His will done right here in Fort Worth and to advance His kingdom. Now, when we talk about getting the will of God done, I sense confusion sometimes. Sometimes we get very confused about what God's will is for our lives. If I've been asked one question, probably more than any other question in my ministry, how do I know what God's will is for my life? That's probably the single most asked question of this pastor through the years historically. Especially about young people, 20-year-olds, college students. How can I find God's will? I'm struggling to know what God wants me to do. What is His will uh, for uh, my life. Sometimes we get confused about God's will for our lives. Maybe we're confused. Maybe we've been mistaught by some other ministry. The will of God is often treated as something that's so mysterious that it's just out of reach of your comprehension. The will of God is something so mysterious that it's just out of the reach of your understanding when nothing could be further from the truth. Listen carefully now. This is critical. People are confusing the will of God with the ways of God. People are confusing the will of God with the ways of God. As you consider His will versus His ways this morning, it is true that the ways of God are so complex that you can't begin to know how God is going to work things out for your good. It's just too confusing. Can I be honest with you? Let, let, let me just put it all out there. There will be times when you just can't figure out how in the world God is going to work good out of this mess that I've made. You're going to look at your mess and just say, there's no way. There's no way anything good's going to come out of this. There are times in your life where there just is a no way for you to figure out how God is working through a flood, a tornado, an earthquake, a fire, a shooting, a tragedy to work His glory in your good. And you struggle with that, don't you? When you see something bad or you get sick or something happens, you're like, okay, God, where are you? And how is this going to work out for something good for, for, for your glory or something good for, for me? I just don't see how in the world anything good can come out of this tragedy. I'll tell you why we feel that way, because God's ways, not His will, His ways are too complex for us to figure out. We do not have His perspective his knowledge, his foresight, his point of view. This is a, a, a truth that's repeated both Old Testament and New. I'll give you two samples. The Bible tells us that God's ways are so mysterious in Isaiah 55 verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways uh, your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says, I just operate on a whole nother level. Is that fair? And you trying to figure out how my mind works is just beyond, it's beyond your capability. Not trying to talk down to you, but you're a lesser being. Is that fair? And, and you just can't compute. Your computer don't work on the level of his computer. Your perspective is not eternal. It's finite, bound by time. And, and it's just different. In the New Testament, it reads like this. Paul writing to the European Christians he wrote this in Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. You know what Paul's saying? How deep the depths of the knowledge of God. He's deep. And we are not that deep. We're a little more shallow. But the depth, Paul's contemplating the depth of God. And he's like, it's too deep for us. Look what else he says. 
How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out. So when people say, I I just can't find the will of God. No, you're confused. It's the ways of God you can't figure out. His ways, his thinking, it's too deep for us to comprehend. You're not going to figure out the ways of God. It's beyond our understanding. But, here's the good news, the will of God is not beyond your understanding. As a matter of fact, the will of God is quite simple to find if you're seeking God. Now, you may want to grab a pen right here, because I'm not going to put them all on the screen, and they're not all in new version. Get ready to write down a reference if you want them. Let me explain. The Bible tells us repeatedly, over and over again, what the will of God is for us. Let me give you just a sample. It is God's will for us to love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul. And the second commandment is like unto the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. Is that fair? Is it God's will for you to love him? Is it God's will for you to love your neighbor? Then the will of God can be easily discerned from Scripture. It is God's will that no one should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 9. God doesn't want one person to die and go to hell. He wants every person to repent and be born again. Is that fair? That's awesome, isn't it? That's an awesome truth right there. That means when I witness to somebody, I can say God wants you to be saved with confidence because I know the will of God for that person. Now they have to decide they want to do the will of God, but I know what it is. He wants them to be forgiven. He wants them to be... See, the will of God is very simple. It's His will... For you to lead your children to faith and to raise up your children to be difference makers in this present world. How about the whole book of Genesis? Okay? Where you're seeing a family go through patriarchal generations and a man named Joseph jumps up there. How awesome is is something like that in the Bible to show you? Uh, How about uh, the whole story of David in 1 Samuel? The Bible is full of stories like this about bringing your children up to be difference makers in this world. It's God's will that you're faithful to assemble week by week in church. I'll put this one up for you. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some people is. They neglect to meet. But encouraging one another. When we meet, it encourages one another. And all the more as you see the day. Talking about the return of Christ drawing near. It's God's will for us to come to church on Sunday. That's simple enough. Listen, let me just give you a few. It's God's will for you to be baptized. Believe and be baptized, the Bible says. It's his will for you to make a commitment to the church. Not to float around. Listen, the reason people won't make a commitment to church, the reason they float is accountability. It's an accountability issue. It's all it is. It's a commitment issue. And Americans are terrified in this present generation of making a commitment. A marriage commitment terrifies us today. A commitment to a career, a commitment to school, a commit. We're just commitment shy right now in America, in our culture. And the Bible calls us for something very different. The Bible says commit. Commit to relationships. Commit to invest in someone. You let somebody speak into your life. Commit to a discipleship group. Commit to follow me. Go ahead, take my yoke up. Commit to the school of Christ. Commit to a church. This is where all the blessings. Listen, commit to a marriage partner. And quit listening to the world on sexuality and relationships. They don't know what they're talking about. Commit to one partner for life. And you're going to discover what joy in marriage and relationships is all about. The world makes you think you're going to get robbed of some thrill if you make a lifelong commitment to a spouse. The exact opposite is true. You're missing the thrill of everything God created for you because you're messing your relationship... I just want to go on a rant. Okay, it's God's will for you to use your gifts to serve and further the mission of his church. This is the entire chapter of Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. It's God's will for you to be a cheerful, generous, consistent giver of your wealth to furthering the kingdom of God through your church, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, and a million other scriptures. It's God's will for you to know you're going to heaven. 1 John 5, 11, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has. Whoever has not the Son of God 
And these things were written in the Bible so that if you believed on the name of the Son of God, you would know that you have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you have the Son? Then you have life. God wants you to know His will. And it's His will for you to have the peace and assurance when you pillow your head tonight that you're in the family and your sins are forgiven. It's God's will for you to be on His mission of making disciples. How do you know? Matthew 28 tells you so. The, Bible, the will of God's not hard to find. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What shall we do? Baptize them. Teach them. Invest your life in it. You see what I'm saying? The Bible makes the will of God very clear. It's God's will that we pray for one another. It's God's will that we encourage, edify one another. It's God's will that we forgive one another. It's God's will that we serve one another. It's God's will that we mutually, men and women, submit to one another. It's God's will that we love one one another and by this shall you know all the world know that you are my disciples now hear what i'm saying this morning in a macro view here the basic part of god's will is so clearly presented in the bible that you could not miss it and i've just given you a, a rundown right now of some things not comprehensive but some things that are the will of god even a casual reader of the bible even a casual reader could open up there in the book of Matthew and begin to read and you would discover the will of God and comprehend it for your life. So now once we have a basic understanding of the will of God, each of us must decide if we're going to do it. Now here's where the you part comes in. You have to decide. You, you see, once you know what God wants you to do, obedience is to say, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because I realize that's the life he wants me. That's where the joy is. That's where the abundant life is. That's what God has for me. That's where my blessing lies. This is the best life someone could live. Obedience is to say, yes, I will do it. And call him Lord and do it. Disobedience is to read the will of God like we're reading right now and say, oh, I see it. But no, I don't intend to do it. I refuse to do it. But you cannot call him Lord and say no those are diametrically opposed so what I'm saying this morning is if you're struggling to find the will of God for your life let me share a secret with you if you're obedient to do the basic will of God if you're faithfully doing the things that God has already clearly laid out in his word that all of us should be doing there will be no mystery as what God wants you to do specifically with your life in other words, a lot of people say, hey, I want to find God's will for my life, but I can't seem to find it. The reason is because you've said no to what you already have read. When you embrace and say yes to what we are all already supposed to do, then God pulls open that veil and the will and the mission of your life becomes so clear. It's like everything just pulls right into focus and you say, okay, I know what my next step needs to be. Okay, now that's a good intro. Let's recap now. Let's recap. It's reasonable. It's a reasonable expectation for us to believe that every member of this church could articulate the will of God. Is that fair? It's reasonable to expect that every member of this church could articulate, could say to a friend, friend, this is what God wants you to do. Do these things and God will be pleased with you. Is that fair? Okay, this is us. Now we're peeling the, the onion out. This is us as a church. We have the expectation here that every member could be able to do that. Somebody says to you, hey, I just can't figure out what the will of God is. You can just kind of go through the list I just went through and say, gosh, it's just laid right out in the Bible here. Let me just tell you some of the things you ought to be doing. You do these things. Listen, God will be pleased with you because this is the revealed will of God. See, one of the great discoveries that every one of us should experience on this Christian journey as followers of Christ is to discover that God has a mission for you, that God is using your life, that God wants, has called, saved you to be a minister, a pastor to someone else. 
God saved you to be a disciple maker for someone else. God has called you into ministry when he saved you. And he's going to uniquely use your life to accomplish his mission. God's going to use your life to share the love of God and the way of salvation and the way to become a Christian with the people that you know. See, God loves you. You know that. God has always wanted you in his circle of friends. God has always wanted you in his family. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I've not called you servants. I've called you friends, he said. He's always wanted to call you friend. He's always wanted you in his circle. And he now wants to be welcome in your circle. Here's a great assessment question for us this morning. Are you ready? Will you allow God into the circle of your life? Will you allow God into your circle? He's always wanted you in his. He died so you could be in his. And he wants to be in your circle as well. Will you allow God into your circle? Now, let's pull back again a little bit further. Let's talk about missions in a bigger terminology now. Most churches think of missions as a subcontracting scheme whereby Christians outsource their individual responsibility to expand the kingdom of God to professional missionaries heading to a foreign country. Now that's a mouthful. Did you understand what what I said? Most churches think about missions as a way to subcontract, as a way to outsource the responsibility that was given to you as an individual to expand the kingdom of God, since we're not going to do it, we're going to outsource it to some guy who's going to India, China, Mexico, or Brazil, and we're going to pay him some money to go do what God has called us to do because we don't intend to do it. Is that fair? Now, I'm I'm a professional at this, okay? Missions is my baby, okay? I've spent decades doing this thing right here. Now, Cornerstone is not that. Matter of fact, we don't support a single white missionary to anywhere. We are the missionaries. We have disciples all around the world making disciples. Very, very different system. I'm not kicking the other system completely. There is a time and a place for it. And even we may have to get involved in that in the very near future. But what I'm saying is I want your understanding to be different. We can't pay someone to do what God has called us to do. You and I must remember that Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. And therefore, he has given to each one of us a personal mission of expanding the kingdom of God and making disciples ourselves. God is asking you to engage your circle by modeling the life of Christ to your circle by declaring in kind language, graceful speech and loving actions to others in your circle of influence how they can have a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ that is your mission consider this morning that you have a circle have you ever stopped to consider this morning who's in your circle now if you're drifting time to re-engage have you considered who's in your circle your mission is number one your own family listen it does no good to reach the rest of the world and lose our own kids amen this is a big deal to us around here generational christianity who's in your circle the people at your workplace the students at your school those with whom you socialize this is your circle have you ever just stopped We'll do it as an exercise later this week, just to consider how many people you know and how you know those people. Listen, uh, think about your Christmas card list. This is your circle. Consider all your social media contacts. How many do you have? Come on, talk out loud. Huh? Hundreds? Some of you have thousands? That's your circle. The club you belong to? That's your circle. Your shift at work, the sports team you play on, the people in your neighborhood. Hey, don't forget about the businesses that you frequent. That is also your circle. 
Now listen, your circle is much bigger than you think it is. This is what I'm trying to show you this morning. You know a lot more people than you think you know. Having identified what your circle looks like this morning, how well do the people in your circle really know you? And that's a fair question for me to ask you this morning. How well do the people in your circle know you? As a matter of fact, let's drill right down to this. Do the people in your circle know that Jesus is also in your circle? Now that's really the question, isn't it? Do the people in my circle, the people who know me, do they know that I know Jesus Christ and that he also is right there in the center of my circle? Do the people in your circle know that you believe in God? Do they know what you believe about God? But see, America would not have the public opinions it has right now if the Christians in America were being vocal. But the Christians in America are not being vocal about murdering babies. The Christians in America are not being vocal about marriage between a man and a woman. Christians in America are not being vocal about the Ten Commandments. Christians in America are not being vocal about morality. And because we've not told the people in our circle that we are followers of Christ, we've not told them that we believe the Bible, we've not told them that we agree with Jesus, therefore public opinions all over the map. You understand what's happening? Do the people in your circle know that you're a follower of Christ? Do they know that you believe the Bible and the teachings of Christ? Do do, do they know that Jesus is right there in the circle where they're standing with you? Some of us have larger circles. That's normal. Gosh, I'm looking at some faces that are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 in here and younger. I'm looking at some people that are 60, 70, 80 years old and older. We have different size circles. Some of that comes with longevity. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Some of it comes with what you do professionally. Some of it comes to what you do positionally. We have different circles. Some of us have larger circles, especially when it comes to influence and foreign relationships. My circle has 30 years of relationships with Americans and foreigners. I know a lot of foreigners, and you guys understand what I'm saying. I've invested a majority of my adult life in relationships with foreigners Making disciples for Jesus Christ. Missionaries, pastors, church planners, people who are not Americans even. I've trained, I've supported, I've helped, I've influenced to further the the kingdom of God. I get that that may not be your context. And I'm not trying to project that. All I'm trying to say this morning is we have different circles. I had a really cool opportunity. A lot of y'all saw this on social media this week. Had a really cool opportunity this week to go down and and open the, the House of Representatives in Austin. Wednesday morning uh, with uh, uh, the invocation and uh, uh, Andrew and, and your great District 93 representative, Matt Krause. If you live in House District 93 right here, you probably have one of the best Christians in America leading you. How does that feel? And he opened that door and I got to go down to Austin and stood on the, the, the floor of the House of Representatives. Fast forward. And... Uh, let us pray. The sergeant at arms told me I had a slot and I had to honor that time slot, two minutes. I went one minute and 49 seconds. I will not honor my time slot this morning because I'm not on the House of Representatives floor. <laughs> and uh, there are rules, stand here, say this, do this. But just from my heart, I prayed, not for Texas, not for America. I prayed for the Republican, Democrat, independent men and women who were standing on their feet who are leading this state. That prayer was for them and no one else. I prayed for their wives, their children. I prayed for their finances. I prayed for God's protection on on their families. My prayer was personal for them. And uh, I I got to meet the the Speaker of the House, who is just light years beyond where we were in the last session. Great God. Uh, You're going to hear great things coming out of this, uh, this session. I was standing on the House floor in those few minutes before and after the prayer uh, and by the way, if you see the video of this, we'll put it up on Facebook again where you can listen to it. There's a prayer. Uh, I mean, just call to order, prayer, pledge, pledge, Texas American pledge. And then they sent Matt to the dais to introduce us. Listen to what he says about Cornerstone and your influence. I mean, a gushing, glowing review in front of the House of Representatives for your church. Here's what I want to say to you. 
I cannot tell you, and it wouldn't be appropriate to, except just to characterize it generally, how many of those men walked up to me privately in those few moments and put their hand out and looked me in the eye and say, Pastor, thank you for being here today. I'm a believer. I represent the people in Frisco. Hi, Pastor, I'm a believer. I represent the people down here on the coast. Hi, Pastor, I'm a believer. We welcome you here today. You pray as God leads you. You have liberty here. You don't know how many of your representatives down there are, are, are followers of Jesus Christ. How does that make you feel to be a Texan? Praise God. You know what I'm saying? Praise God for what he's doing. Congressman, uh, Representative Krauss and his desk mate are right here in front of the dais. And so I, I, I asked, uh, I asked uh, Matt, I said, Matt, who prays when there's not a chaplain in? He said, well, our desks are right there. They all know we're Christians, so they'll bring the gavel down and call one of us up to pray. Either me or my decimate, usually. Praise God for you people who live in House District 93. That when they want prayer to happen in the state of Texas, they look for your congressman on the floor and ask him to come to the lectern and invoke the name of Almighty God. How blessed are you people living in this district? I'm just thinking to myself, well, praise God. This looks like Daniel and Joseph this looks like some things you read about in the Bible where there's lights shining in places of leadership. Now, what I want to say to you this morning is this. That's my circle. I realize that's not your circle. But I want you to know when my circle opens up and I get an opportunity to do that, what I'm going to do with it. Are you with me? That's my circle. Now, here's the beauty of it. I'm your pastor, so that's also your circle. When I was standing there leading the state in prayer, you were standing there with me. Does that make sense at all, what I'm trying to say to you this morning? You say, well, pastor, you run in a different circle, and you can't. No, I get it. My circle is my responsibility. I'll own that, okay? But let's go ahead and extrapolate that, okay? Your circle then is, talk to me then your circle's your responsibility, right? And you'll own that. But those people that we all know who are way out there on the edges, that's the shared burden of the whole congregation. Listen to what I'm saying. I have some relationships that go way beyond the state of Texas. They go way out on the edges of violent territory. Reaching those people is a burden that you and I share. This has been the best practice of the New Testament church since the book of Acts. Amen? When Paul let, this is, what the, this is the best practice of the New Testament church. Let me ask you, just participate real quick. How many of you know somebody outside of DFW? That should be everybody. Perfect. I'm pushing your circle out for you. How many of you know somebody outside the state of Texas? We're going to push it out a little bit further. How many of you know somebody living outside the United States? I know Percy just got back from Canada. Perfect. How many of you know somebody outside of North America? Wow, still got a big group of hands. Europe? Central or South America? Asia? Praise God, look at all these Asia hands. How cool is that? Anybody know anybody in Australia? Oh, wow, okay, that's right. We have a visitor that comes frequently. Congressman from Australia, friends of the Heinz and others. Do you see how far our circles go? Now you say, well, that's somebody else's circle. It is their circle, and therefore it's their responsibility. But when we come together and make a commitment to a church, those people way out on the edge is a burden that all of us share. You, you see, what I'm saying is, closer to home, the most basic teaching of the Bible is this. God is calling you to be a missionary to your circle. This is, I want you to embrace, God is calling you to be a missionary to your circle circle and at cornerstone we've embraced that our role here as a church is to equip you to be a missionary to your circle that's what we're trying to do that is what our approach is to equip you to be a missionary to your circle if you want to know who we are this is us we're trying to equip you to be a missionary to your circle we believe 
that that cornerstone a church can raise up hundreds of missionaries from a congregation like this and send them out into the community if we are just willing to reach our circle and what i'm trying to challenge you this morning is to understand the big picture of missions and and to be aware of the opportunities emerging around you and when possible seize those opportunities to show the love of god to the people in your circle it'll mean speaking kindness and encouragement and hope and doing acts of kindness and speaking peace and ministering love to them have you noticed how often that jesus began ministry by meeting the physical needs the emotional needs of people in his circle how often would jesus engage the people in his circle and say to them let's feed them let let's get them something to eat let's get some clothes for them let's minister to their health care needs and he would do something for their their health or their health care how often would jesus come and say fear not don't cry it's going to be okay and encourage and bring mental health and emotional health how often would he come to people who had lost loved ones and cry with them and love with them and care for them and encourage them that they would see their loved ones again in the resurrection? What I'm saying to you is those that are way out on the outer edges will need some humanitarian effort in order to unlock their heart to the gospel at first. You understand what I'm saying? We have to do that. It's when we have global effects. It's when we started the foundation. So that we can do some humanitarian effort, the heart unlocks, the gospel goes in, and it becomes now they're, they're part of our circle. Jesus met people in his circle at their very point of need. He offered himself to them. He offered his resources to them. He offered his life to them. And all I'm doing this morning is challenging you to be a Christian, to follow Christ and do the exact same there's a beautiful book verse in the book of acts chapter 17 verse 27 it says that they should seek god and perhaps feel their way towards god and find god yet he is not far from each one of us hear what god's saying this morning god is not far from anybody in your circle the people you know who don't know christ he's not far from them He's very close to them. Listen to what the verse is saying. Christ is not far from others because we are not far from others. The people who don't know God do know you. And you know God. And when you minister to the people in your circle and say, hey, I'll offer you love, you're offering them Christ's love. When you say, I'm opening myself up to a relationship with you, you're opening the door for them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. He is not far from anyone. Why? Because you and I live in this earth, and tomorrow we're not going to be far from anyone either. We're going to be rubbing shoulders with them all over the community and the Walmart and the Chick-fil-A. We're going to be right in the middle of them. They're not far from God because you and I are not far from God, and God is in our circle. Do the people in your circle know that God's in your circle? Do you understand how big your circle is? Let me ask you a really important question this morning. Do you have any disciples in your circle? Do you have any disciples in your circle? And if not, why not? If not, why not? Christians make disciples. We cannot be Christ-like if we're not doing what Christ did. Does that make sense? To come to church and say we're Christians is a misnomer. It is a fallacy. It is a lie. To do what Christ did is to be a Christian. Christians make disciples. And I'm challenging every believer here this morning to make a fresh commitment to Christ today. And this is the commitment I want you to make today. I want you to say to your creator, to the one who loved you and died for you and saved you, I will be a missionary to my circle. That is my ask this morning. That you would say to God today before you leave this room, I will be a missionary to my circle. As for me, I am a missionary to Fort Worth and beyond. I don't mind making this an I statement. I am on mission to make Christ known to my circle. My circle goes way out there. I get that. 
I want to minister in a big circle. I have a vision for reaching people that extends way, way beyond the seven acres at 7955 North Beach Street. My circle is not bound by the seven acres of this campus. Neither is yours. As a matter of fact, this hardly defines at all our circle, this campus. Our circle goes way, way out there. I am a global pastor. I have a global vision. And I know that I am not alone. I know that we are a global church. The Bible says in Acts 1-8, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the global church. The Bible advocates that every church have a global vision. We have always held here that Christ wanted his church to be a global church. And since we are the church, we are the church, all of us together are the church, then your circle is my circle. My circle is your circle. And together what we're going to do is be missionaries to our own individual circle. And collectively our reach extends, Carrie, as far as your furthest relationship extends. Dan, as far as your furthest relationship in, in, in Brazil extends. As far as your furthest relationship in Germany extends. As far as your furthest relationship in Romania extends, as far as your furthest relationship in Hungary extends, as far as your furthest relationship in India extends, as far as your furthest relationship in Guatemala extends, as far as your furthest relationship goes to Canada and Nicaragua and to the foreign countries of the world, that's how big our circle is as a church. Now what about those people way out there on the edge? How are we going to effectively disciple them? How are we going to extend the kingdom of God? Participation together, that's how. It has always been the best practice of the church since the book of Acts to collaborate. Listen, the people at home are easy to reach logistically. You're going to see them tomorrow, amen? You're going to see some of them this afternoon. They're easy to reach. Don't have to spend money to reach them. By the way, you guys, we don't have to spend money to reach most of our circle. They're right here. But the people way out on the edge, collectively, we're going to pool some resources in order to reach those people way out on the edge of the circle. You're going to discover in the days to come that Cornerstone and our families are willing to give a portion of their wealth to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ and to be a church that is on mission. Jeremy, come and help me with the invitation and let's make a decision before we go home now. Now, do you understand what our theory of missions is? It's not about outsourcing. A church that outsources its mission is not a church on mission. A church where every church member says, wow, I'm supposed to be a missionary to my own circle. That is a church on mission. Missions is not something we're hiring a group of people to do and go overseas. Missions is something God is calling you and I to do tomorrow, today, in our own circle. Get Christ in our circle. Get our friends to know Christ is in our circle. We want a church filled with joyful, loving, spirit-filled people who are engaged as missionaries in their own circle. You know that God's given you spiritual gifts. Why did he give them to you? Simple, to edify the body of Christ and to extend the ministry to the circles. That's what it's for. That's what it's all about. And God's asking you to engage with your gifts this morning. By the way, he's worthy. He's worthy of your effort he's worthy of your engagement he's worthy to be called he's worthy of your love he's worthy of your talents he's worthy of your time he's worthy of your life because he is your lord this is my ask this morning from the word of god i'm compelled to ask you this morning will you say yes to the simple call of god to be a missionary to your own circle that's it are you willing to be a missionary to your own circle? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I framed it in a way perhaps it's never been explained to you before. In your understanding that you are the missionary, you've been called to be a missionary. You have a mission field. You don't have to run off to a foreign country to be on mission. You just have to say yes and engage your circle. 
Maybe that revelation is fresh. Maybe it's just a reminder of what you already knew this morning. But here is what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask hundreds of people in this room. to come on bended knee this morning and say to the King of Kings I'm dedicating myself to be a missionary to my circle I'm giving an invitation for missionaries this morning not to sell everything and go to Brazil I'm giving an invitation for Christians living in the affluent neighborhoods of Fort Worth to say I'm all in for missions I'm going to be a missionary to my circle I'm just going to ask you to come on bended knee for a moment some are already at the altars I'm going to ask you to join them and you just to dedicate yourself fresh you just say God I present myself on bended knee this morning as I humble myself before the king of kings I realize you're worthy you're worthy of my service you're worthy of my attention You've opened my eyes to what my circle looks like this morning. It's filled with people. Some know Christ, some don't know Christ. Some, I don't even know if they know Christ. What I'm asking is, will God's people, will God's people be God's people and give yourself to the mission that God has called you to do? Pour out your cry to him. Say, God, here I am. Use me. I give you my talents. I give you my time. I give you my attention. Lord, you've got my attention today. Lord, freshly, I want to say to you, I am yours and you are mine. What a blessed thing it is to kneel there in God's circle and know that you're his child. And that he has a mission for your life with eternal dividends and eternal rewards. A place in his kingdom forever and ever. Here I am, Lord. If you'll help me, God, if you'll show me what to do, I'm going to be a missionary to my own circle. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never received Christ as your Savior. Why don't you just slip out of your seat? People are praying all over the church. Pastor Aaron's sitting right here on the front row. Just slip up next to him and say, Pastor, pray with me. I need to receive Christ this morning. Never done it. Never put my trust in him. Don't know that I'm a Christian. I want to know, though. I want to leave here forgiven. I want to leave here in God's circle. Pastor Aaron's right here, right here on the front row. Just come and pull up next to him and say, pray with me, Pastor. He knows exactly how to help you. If you need to be a member of this church, you slip out of your seat and come and present yourself and say, we're ready. Ready for the next step. Ready to make a commitment. Don't want to be on the fringes. Want to be right in the middle of what's going on. Want to be on mission with the rest of this team. You just come on and make the commitment. God will bless you. God will bless you for commitment always. they're finishing up some of the decisions that are happening right here I want everyone to focus right here just for a moment I want to give you just a few things to think about now you're going to most of you are going to be in a small group tonight if you're a discipleship group I want you to pull this into your group tonight let, let me give you some things I want you to think about I, I'm, I'm not a big journaler I'm not a big you know graphics person but I see a tremendous value in everyone who's willing sitting down with a blank journal page and start listing the names of the people who are in your circle. Can you imagine the power of seeing this on a piece of paper? You know where you can start? Susan Harrell, Andrew Harrell, Jack Harrell, Leah Harrell. You know, and just start working out. Just start working out. And when you've listed people who are in your circle, you're going to have quite a list, folks. You're not even going to know their names. You know what you're going to have to write down? You're going to write down stuff like I'd write down. 
the girl who makes my coffee every morning at Starbucks that I keep talking to and I keep forgetting her name, but I'm going to learn her name. I'm going to make a note like that. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to look for that one clerk that I talked to the other day at Walmart and see if I can find him again and start another conversation. My coworker. There's power in writing down the people that are in your circle. Then what I'm going to ask you to do is then start praying for the people in your circle. That list is going to become our, one of our prayer lists. And you're just going to start praying for those people. You don't know what's going on in their life maybe. and You know, don't know if they know Christ. We're just going to start praying for them to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Pray for God to show you ways to engage. Listen, I, I think there's value. Because it'll start making you think about, I'm looking for opportunities to be a missionary to my circle. And and then what I think would be valuable in your group tonight is, y'all just talk this out a little bit, develop a little bit of an action plan after that. What are some practical ways I can reach some of those people in my circle? I know for us, sometimes it's about opening our home and lighting the grill. It's one of the easiest ways to meet people. Just light that stinking grill, man. Go buy some red meat, light the grill. And start inviting neighbors and friends and people you know over and strangers, just whoever. Just come up with an action plan of how to reach your circle. Now what's going to happen this uh, day is two things. One's already happened. If you're in our email database, you already got an email or a text this morning. And it said we're going to talk about missions. Here's the link to online giving. If you didn't get that, you need to be sure you are signed up uh, how would I blast text the word blast right now to 97,000 97000 text the word blast you'll be automatically connected to our uh, text system at 1.30 this afternoon that text will go out again we want to give you time to go eat lunch look your spouse in the eye Say, honey, what do we need to do? Let's pray right now before we eat our meal. Eat your meal and marinate on that for a while. A text will come at 1.30 and it'll say, okay, go, go to cbc.family slash missions. And when you go there, it's going to say, here's how you give. We want you to do it electronically. We want you to do it recurring. It will ask you, how often do you want this to happen? You say recurring or frequently. It'll say how frequently. Do you want to give every hour? Do you want to give once a week? Do you want to give once a month? What day of the week would you like it to go out on? A Tuesday? A Sunday? What would you like the amount to be? Now hear what I'm saying. We're not trying to manipulate you to get some big sum of money out of your family. That's not not what we're doing. We're trying to get the entire church family, and I'm dead serious in what I'm about to say. If you can only afford to give one dollar, then at 1.30 this afternoon, I want you to commit to one dollar. And when we see your commitment pop up, you know what we're going to say? We're not going to say, what a cheapskate. You know what we're going to say? Praise God, they're on board for missions. We're going to reach our circle, and we're going to go get those people way out on the edges. In a few months, we're about to launch a church in Romania. It's going to take us all. Listen, we've got discipleship and missions programs about to go all over the world. It's going to take us all. And if a dollar is what you can do, then praise God that you're part of this family, and together we're all going to do what we can do. Some of you give up thousand dollars a month to missions and never miss it give it give it give it that's the best practice of the new testament church okay 130 be sure you do that father praise god for what you've done in this place assembling these people god i thank you so much that today was the day of Trey salvation god what you've done in his heart and in his life today is the greatest thing that's happened in this room God, we praise you for your saving grace that meets us right where we are. God, I'm so glad to call him my brother and to know that we're going to worship you forever in eternity together. God, thank you for what you did in his life today. Lord, thank you for the Jorns and bringing them into our fellowship. God, we're so blessed. 
God, we, we don't deserve your goodness, but God, we're so blessed by the, the quality of people you're bringing into this family. God, thank you for them. Lord, may we be a wonderful family and wonderful blessing to them in return. Father, bless us this afternoon as we contemplate our role in missions. God, I know you've got great things ahead for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.